TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And yes, indeed, we are back at you on the Two Guys in a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. A little static going early in the game, not a problem here. Just like the Chicago Bears game yesterday with their first three possessions, they got absolutely annihilated. We start off with a little static, but after a rough start, Big Dog, I am sure we will go into full successful mode, very much like the Chicago Bears did yesterday. The coach of the Big Dog at your service, TalkZone.com, Two Guys in a Mic how are you, Big Dog, and how's your static? Uh, I'm doing absolutely fantastic, and especially I guess I can get a little puffy tested about the Bears because I don't know how many people over the previous six days were like, oh, they're going to get killed by the Cowboys. Well, I guess they didn't get killed, Coach, considering they won. But uh, definitely some issues that the Bears have, but it does feel good to have the Bears win a nice, nice football game yesterday. Heck of a weekend. Heck of well, a week- by the way. What's that? My static as well, by the way. Yes, you're ecstatic, and so is your static. By the way, say hi to our producer today, David Olson, taking a much well-deserved day off. Randy Myers on the other side of the glass. I know you're not in the studio, big dog, but I know if you were, you'd be, uh, you'd certainly have a hand on Randy's thigh. Uh, that wouldn't be my hand, coach. And that probably wouldn't be Randy's thigh. <laughs> 888-463-6748. That's our phone number. You want to recap the weekend that was in football, be it high school on Friday night, college on Saturday night, or a great slate of NFL games in week number two. You can uh, talk to the big dog and the coach. We'll break it down for you. And if we don't break it down, we'll simply break down. And sometimes we do that better than the latter. Uh, the Chicago Bears were impressive yesterday, big dog. I know that's a team near and dear to your heart. And uh, 27-20 at Dallas, highly impressive. Jay Cutler, who's been criticized a lot. It all starts with the quarterback, big dog. And you know me, I've criticized Cutler a bunch in the past. He was outstanding yesterday in every respect. Yeah, absolutely fantastic, especially when you consider the fact that this team can't run the football. Unbelievable. They can't run it third and short. They can't run it whatsoever. You know, I I didn't think you can beat a quality team in the NFL without being able to run the football. Football, at least a little bit. Well, you can't. You can't. And, and I, you know, I almost was going to disagree with your statement because after three or four attempts, they stopped trying. So it wasn't like they can't run the football. They just said, yeah, what the heck? If it's not working after three or four runs, and I'm not saying this is the right approach, but they totally, I mean, I can't remember in the entire second half. I don't think a single time the quarterback turned right, turned left, and handed off for a straight handoff up the middle. No, no, they, they did, and the problem was it was normally when it was third and one, and then Theo Ratliff was smashing Matt Forte in the backfield. By the way, it, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff I can talk about the Bears and their short yardage uh, running game, but why don't they just have Chester Taylor run the ball third and short? First and foremost, the offensive linemen need to get a push. Push! It, it, it would be nice. Push! But, yeah, I don't want to sit here and rip on the negative things. Let's, uh, let's stick with the positive stuff. Uh, the defense played really well. They eliminated the Cowboys' chance mm. of running the football whatsoever. And I know they gave up a bunch of passing yards, 
but I'll let a team give up a bunch of passing yards all day long if they continue to be in third and long because you get turnovers that yeah. way. Team effort, too. What I, what I like the defensively, Big Dog, was a team effort. I mean, Briggs and Erlocker have been all pros the first two games, but they're getting good stuff, uh, you know, from the defensive back. Certainly DJ Moore at a big game. Charles Tillman, I thought, was outstanding. And the other thing I like is we got a guy coming off the bench, and this is one of your theories, Randy, if you're not aware. Joel, one of Joel's theory is the team with the most angry Samoans in their lineup, usually wins the game. We, the Chicago Bears, now have an angry Samoan. I think his name is Matt Tuanawanu. Yeah, playing defensive tackle. He's one of those that, few gaps, and my goodness, he's awesome. <laughs> that dude could play some But He's coming off the bench, but whatever Tommy Harris is not doing, which is not much, the angry Samoan is uh, filling the gap quite nicely. I'm going to have to disagree with you. Tommy Harris making some plays, eh. forcing the issue a lot. He is? So, uh, Tommy Harris is... I'm fine with Tommy Harris. I, I don't think he's living up to this contract right now. But you, you and Mrs. Harris also. might be the only two. And actually, yeah, well, you might be the only one because, from what I hear, Mrs. Harris isn't all that thrilled with Tommy. Because now that the NFL season has started, housework and some of the other chores have gone down the tube. So it's you, a little bit of Mrs. Harris. You're about the only two, my friend. Yeah, well, I'll be more than happy because, uh, to be quite honest with you. There's a reason why Brian Erlacher and uh, Lance Briggs are flying around making plays. It's because Tommy Harris is absorbing all kinds of people in the okay. middle. That, okay. that just cracks me up. I love when I hear people. <laughs> I've heard other people on the radio say, hey, Tommy Harris is not making any plays. Those people have never played linebacker before. Because I know one thing. Okay. I, I've had defensive tackles in front of me make three or four tackles in a game. And I was getting blocked all day long. And then uh-huh. other days where they didn't make a tackle, and I just had to go up to him and be like, dude, you made me an all-star today. All right. So I could get Tom Harris making – he's been totally disruptive so far through two games. Not totally. He could be more. He definitely could be more, Coach. But mm-hmm. these right. people ripping Tom Harris, I guarantee, never played middle linebacker. Fair enough. I forgot I was talking to a ex-linebacker. That's a good uh, – good, uh... Yeah, I could care less how many tackles he makes. Yeah. If Brian Erlacher and Lance Briggs don't have a body on him. The, the angry Samoan, Julius Peppers, Tommy <laughs> Harris, Anthony Adams, whoever's in the game at the time, we're doing their job. It's mm-hmm. as simple as that. By the way, I don't want to get too personal, but uh, you know, over the weekend, using defensive line terminology, uh, were you a three technique, four technique, or did you go five technique this weekend? Well, uh, there's, you, you don't really go four technique very often, Coach, unless you're like in the double eagle <laughs> alignment. Okay. Okay. I mean, like, I guess uh, possibly, you know, like if you were playing a 46, you'd have a guy in a four, but, you know, okay. that, that's about it, Coach. You know, on behalf of many of the fans out there, including myself, what what is the three technique and what is the five technique as we that, get that's sidetracked? What, that, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about is, like, you, I was like, obviously you must not know because uh, you either play a two or a three <laughs> technique. You wouldn't play a four, okay? So okay. When, like, uh, so a defensive tackle. Yep. When they play in a two, yep. they are on the inside of the guard. Inside and, of the guard, okay. Yeah, so they're like, they line up like on the inside of the guard towards the center. That's and the, when they're in a three, yep. they line on the outside of the guard towards the tackle. Okay. And the, and the four is over the tackle towards the guard, and a five is on the tackle towards the tight end okay. or towards the outside. You so basically, you're a two technique, you're working your way outside up to a five technique. So when they talk about a two-technique guy, they're usually talking about the big dude who plays right over the, the center. Well, not, not exactly the center coach. You're you're still over the guard, but you're you're in you're basically in the A gap. Mm-hmm. And then when you're a three-technique, you're in the B gap. Okay. So 
what ends up happening is you 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 want your you want your Ted Washington, your Anthony Adams type to be the two <laughs> technique, uh-huh. and you want your Tommy Harris, your two hundred eighty five pound guy that can rush and is more likely to rush the passer to be more in the, the three, three technique. Okay, the angry more Samoan. Like, and, and, and you align, so that's why he can be on the left or right, because they will stay in the huddle. Like, uh, if you run a 4-3 defense, they'll okay. be like 23. But that means the two technique is on the strong side, uh-huh. and the three technique is on the weak side. Okay. I think after using that analysis as a defensive lineman in my early days in junior high, I think I was like a six technique. Because well, I, no I would play, like, way sense. outside. If the sweep would go the other way, I'd kind of take a few steps that way, like I was involved in the play. If the sweep actually came my way, the only thing I could do, Big Dog, was force containment, and I would do that by heading to my own sidelines and say, "Hey, Coach, I turned the guy in. Come on." As long as <laughs> okay, I was, so. you know, as long as I was standing out of bounds, I figured he wasn't going to get around me. Yeah, now, I, I don't want to get too technical, but you'd be in the seven at that point, Coach. Well, the seven technique. Yeah, you get when you get that high. <laughs> Who really cares? Let me ask you very quickly uh, before we continue to break down the Bears' other NFL games. We'll review our beat the schmoes football picks, and we got to go to Saturday too with a great. Weekend of college football, and again, one of the best college football games I have ever seen. Regular season game, anyways. But um, over the weekend, big dog, young, single guy like yourself out in the city of Chicago, this past weekend, anyways, were you more of a two technique, three technique, or did you go five technique? Well, uh, if it, well, if it's my own personal life. I, I could play, I could play the five. I couldn't play a two or a three, to be quite honest with you, Coach. Okay. So I, I would have to go with the five. But it was uh, my goddaughter's birthday on Saturday. Ah. So it, whatever is the most tame, chill, relaxed one is what I did, Coach. All right. So it sounds like you went too technique. A big fat dude sitting on the couch. That pretty much <laughs> described what I was like on Saturday night and yesterday afternoon. Oh, goodness. You were a couch potato. Our producer, Randy Myers, over here, I've seen him at work. He is what you would call a mouse potato. He doesn't sit on his couch, but the guy's a dick. I don't think I've ever seen him away from the computer. It's unbelievable. Even when he goes to the washroom. He's got like a portable computer that goes with him. Yeah, well, I'm he has to log in. He has to log in before he can urinate. It's unbelievable. That that isn't well. Some women would be impressed with that, Coach. <laughs> no comment on that particular. Well, Randy's shaking his head. He said he agrees with you. All right, I think that would be the three technique. But let us move on. <laughs> Bears win twenty-seven twenty again. You want to talk about your favorite team? Be it here in Chicago, folks. Or across the beautiful NFL, we'll start off with NFL after break number one. We'll go a little college football, 888-463-6748. The phone number, Bears win it, 27-20 over Dallas. Dog, let me ask you from a, well, the defense was outstanding, no question about it. Any other guys that we have not mentioned that impressed you from an individual basis? Uh, Remember when I talked about Devin Hester last week? People thought I was crazy again, again. Like I, I like other people that are talking about saying no, Tommy Harris didn't do anything. Last week, all I heard was Devin Hester's horrible, and I said on these airways, I'm like, Coach, they only threw the ball to him one time, but the one time they threw him the ball, he ran a perfect route and caught the ball like a legitimate NFL receiver. Do you remember me saying that last Monday? I do. You were right on. Okay. Well, Devin Hester is starting to turn into a legitimate NFL receiver, so. I just want to this this I, trust me. I'm not getting puppy chested. They're only two and zero, and they haven't done anything this year. They could be two and fourteen if they don't start playing better football. But everybody that always wants to poo poo on the Bears, don't jump on their bandwagon this week. Okay, mm-hmm. stay off of it. Keep on complaining about this team. Is all I want to say to those people. Uh, Devin Hester's horrible. The defensive line sucks. Tommy Harris is non-existent. 
uh, all, everything that you want to say. Keep on, just keep on piling on the bears. Okay, don't jump on the bandwagon; it might break. There's not enough room for you. Well, there, there definitely is no bandwagon to be jumped on yet. Yeah, technically, first of all, the bears are one and one because Calvin Johnson did no, no, make no, no, that no, catch. No. Technically, technically, yeah. they're two and zero. Oh. Okay, I, I hate to tell you, Coach. Again, I'm going to keep on saying that it, it's a rule. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I'm sick of you saying that. It's, all I know is well, they're two and zero, oh, and the Vikings are zero oh and two. And that's that's all that matters. Right. And by the way, did you see what happened in the Lions game yesterday? That was a great ball game. The Deshaun Jackson made a dive and catch, rolled up, didn't have control of the ball. They called it a completion, and Schwartz went absolutely yeah. eight. As as well he should, which is my point exactly. The Bears. Yeah, and guess uh, what they did? They, yeah, they like the other rest. They they came over there. They're like, man, that wasn't a catch. So they they they, they, they it took like ten seconds for them to review the play. Uh-huh. Like the, the umpire ran over there, put his head in, walked out, was like incomplete. I cannot believe that they missed that call on the field, well, having, especially against the Lions. Bottom line is Calvin Johnson caught the ball. The Bears should be one and one. Maybe technically is the wrong word to so, use. Coach, again, but, the game wasn't over. Okay, I, I uh, hate to tell you this. The Everybody game was over. Like the Bears would have lost. They would. The way the Lions play, the Lions would have choked the game anyways. Okay? No. 27 seconds left of the ball game. That was a win for the Lions. But let, let's not rehash that. At any rate, the Bears played an outstanding game against Dallas. Big Monday night game coming up at Greens Bay. We're all excited about that. And you are exactly right on Devin Huster. And, and one strength of the Bears, big dog, is I don't know that they've got an all-pro receiver. You know, you can talk about, well, we don't have a number one. We might not have a number one. What we do have, though, is a whole bunch, a bunch of, of weapons out there. I mean, he's throwing to four or five different guys and. I almost like that better than the one guy that the other team shuts him down. You're in trouble. Yeah, ask the Patriots about that. Yeah, because Randy Moss made the greatest catch of the weekend. But other than that, he didn't do it. He did eight doo doo, basically. What about my guy Wesley Walker? He didn't do too much either yesterday, coach. As a matter of fact, I don't believe Wesley Walker made a catch in the NFL yesterday. What about Wesley? He's been retired for about 35 <laughs> years. <laughs> Not the old Detroit Lion linebacker. We're talking about Wesley Walker. No, we're talking about the New York Jet Wesley Walker from the 80s. Oh, that him? Wesley he, he Walker. Okay. He had a one eye. Oh. <laughs> him and L. Toon, they made a heck of a combination with Ken O'Brien. Oh, boy. You put him with Virgil Livers, you'd have one eye and one testicle. Half a player. I didn't know that about Virgil. What? No, I did not know that, Coach. Come on, big dog. I, I, there was, I didn't. Okay, there was another. You, I, I, I didn't get. A, I didn't have a what do you call a locker room pass at the time. All right. Well, I didn't either. But it was world, wild, worldly, and um, well renowned here in the fine city of Chicago. In fact, there was a sports a man used. To there be. was a sports talk show here in Chicago that uh, was pretty entertaining last week. But they did a segment politically incorrect. And cruel for a fact, but they did a segment on top athletes that have or had uh, one testicle only. John Crook had to be in the top. Well, there you go. Guys like Johnny Crook. Greg Luganis? Yeah. I think Greg Luganis might have been in it. I think he might have been just outside the top ten. Well, I'm sure he would love to have been in one of the top ten. Like I said, entertaining but uh, politically incorrect and cruel as we were. Uh, we get sidetracked once again, as we so often do on this show. 888-463-6748 if you want to keep the big dog and the coach on track. Uh, we would appreciate that. But the point is, we do have a lot of good wide receivers this year. Now, let me ask you, Devin Aramashadu. God bless you. He was the Bears' number one receiver in week one, had 10 catches, and he barely played yesterday, big dog. I know you've got some uh, insides with the team. Do you have any 
inside story as to why Arama should do to play? Was it coach's decision? Was it injury discipline situation? What happened? It was it was an injury. Uh, and he only had like seven catches week one, but he, I mean, he played well week one. And I, I'm not exactly sure what was up, but Earl Bennett was ready to play. Yes. He played. He looked pretty good. And I'm a hundred percent with you, coach. You know, next week, Devin Roman should do might have five or six catches. I guess it all depends on the matchups yep. and whatnot, but he was hurt. That's why he didn't play very much. Okay. Oh. Was not aware of that game ball, by the way, to the Bears offensive coordinator. We've, Said for years that Ron Turner, you know, the Bears off against the coordinator for many years. Nice guy. You hate to criticize him because he's a nice guy, wonderful story and all that, but totally incompetent as an offensive coordinator. Uh, yesterday proved what we've been saying all along, Big Dog. The Bears now have a actual offense similar to, uh, eh, other NFL teams. It looked awfully good yesterday. Yeah. And it's an offense that is moving the ball. It's moved the ball for two games, frankly phenomenally well it scored points yesterday which is a little bit more important and they're, they're doing it with an offensive line that can't block on the run play they they're they're pass blocking and they've done it all preseason i, I thought i know that the cutler had a bunch of sacks in preseason but they pass blocked a lot better than i thought they were going to and they've done that for two consecutive games if this team could ever learn how to run block coach it really can give mike mark some options and they can end up being prolific forget about being solid you know that's basically i, I hate to tell you you know we, we obviously if we're diehard bear fans we would have loved to have seen a prolific offense you know at times but it, it got to the point we just want them to be average remember i mean how putrid they have been for so long they could end up being a they could average 30 points a game at will if they could learn how to run the ball coach yeah well hopefully you got mike tice coaching them up uh, and they were better Yesterday in the pass block, and you are correct, through the first two games they are not able to get any uh, push off the ball at all. But it was interesting yesterday after the first three series, Big Doug, where I commented to the fine folks watching the game with me, I don't know that I've ever seen a quarterback under siege in an offensive line play as bad as they did or a defensive line and rushers play as good as those first three series. I mean, it was... It was part comical, part tragedy, but uh, all of a sudden they made a well, couple adjustments and it switched almost on the dime. But those first three series were as bad as I've ever seen. No, I have to admit I haven't got to see them yet. I was actually uh, playing a little football at the time. Oh, nice. So I didn't get to see it. I have it on tape. I am going to watch it. And I did hear. So that's why maybe people out there being like, Joel, are you serious? Uh, it's because I heard it too that uh, Cutler took some severe punishment oh. the first couple series of the, uh, yeah. the game. It was it was almost like you know how you play touch football. Maybe you were playing touch football, and uh, you know it's like one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, or it's immediate rush. Either way, where uh-huh. basically there's no blocking, like in flag football or touch football. That's what it looked like. It was as if the bare offensive line wasn't even there. I mean, Cutler had to drop back, and the guys were rushing in at him almost unimpeded. Well, Chris Williams was still on the field at the time, right? At the time, he was. Chris Williams got injured. They moved Kevin Schaefer to left tackle. That didn't work after a series. Nice adjustment. They moved Frank Omier, who was the unsung hero yesterday, over to the left tackle spot. Schaefer over to right tackle. And that, that particular unit, Big Dog, and again, it wasn't a gradual change. It almost changed on the dime and gave Cutler great uh, protection. In addition, Mike Martz changed his play calling, and that helped, too. They started to hit some short, quick passes. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, I like to hit it all over the field, but if you can't, if, you know, if the seven-step drop, anybody 
who's a football fan loves it. You can drop back there, throw it all the way down the field. You know, it's beautiful. But if you don't have the offensive line to protect it, you can't run it. So, you know, you have to sometimes take what defense gives you. I know that's maybe an axiom that some people hate. You like to force the issue. But, hey, you know what, if you have to throw the ball short, get it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other uh, players standing out for you in the Bears game? Matt Forte, the running back. Not so good as a running back, but uh, I would say pretty good as a wide receiver, or pretty good as a receiver, anyways, coming out of the backfield. Yeah, he's it, he doesn't have any room to run. And, you know, I, I would like to see more of Chester Taylor, and I, they just got to figure out a way to get the the running game going. And obviously, DJ Moore, my goodness, talk about a guy that grabbed the bull by the horns. You know, he said at the beginning of the year, "You give me a shot, I'll make plays," and I was like, "Okay, well, we'll see." Well, he did. And then Chris Harris blowing up Roy Williams early on. That hit, Coach, that's the way you get it done. Legal, first and foremost. Vicious, which is also really important. You know, if you blow somebody up helmet to helmet and then you get a 15-yard penalty, it doesn't do you much good. Mm -hmm. When you throw the shoulder and the chest, first of all, it's just as effective. Secondly, you won't hurt yourself. And thirdly, you won't get the penalty. Yep. Beautiful play by Chris Harris. Yeah, I thought the entire Bears defensive backfield played outstanding. Even when Romo completed passes, covers was pretty good. He yeah, was he throwing in the traffic. I thought our DBs covered well, and they hit well. Tillman was outstanding, obviously. DJ Moore as well. You know, uh, Lou Holt said this, and, and I, I take this to heart. And, you know, especially if you're starting to run, and if you're giving up passing yards, I, I shrug my shoulder. I could care less. You know, I mean, as long as it's not too bad, you know. But he, uh, Lou Holt said this, and, and I love this. If you think about it, Romo completed 34 passes, but for only like 307 yards. Only, only 307 yards. Okay, that is a lot. But they only had 36 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. But the point is, Lou Holtz would always say when they played Miami, these these guys are going to play passes against us. The important thing is to tackle right after, no run after catch. Yep. You know, and, and that's what it was about. Yeah, the Cowboys were completing passes, but it wasn't like, Oh, Miles Austin hit in stride, and they continue for another 15, 20 yards. It was a catch and a tackle. Mm-hmm. And I, I can live with that. I don't want it. I don't want anything completed against your defense, but I can definitely live with what they did yesterday. Big time, Coach. Beautiful. Bears win at 27-20. Do you notice also in a change in philosophy, again, Mike Martz versus Ron Turner, three-point lead for the Bears late in the game instead of run, run, Maybe we'll try a pass in desperation. They came out passing with the three-point lead. I thought that was somewhat indicative, you know, a little thing, but it's a large thing in the big scheme of things. I thought it was indicative of maybe a change in the mindset of the Bears' offense. Did you catch that late when they they still threw the ball? Absolutely. You're talking about when it was 20-17, and then they ended up extending it to 27-17. Yep. Coach, that's playing to win rather than playing not to lose. Exactly. And, and trust me, I would love, I would love this is Bears head, uh, Hilgenberg, Thayer, Bork, Covert, and, and Van Horn, <laughs> and Walter Payton with Matt Sui leading for him and just run the ball down somebody's throat. I would love that. You know, that's, that's a lot easier way to win a football game when you have a three point lead. I, I would assume you would agree with that. But the truth of the matter is they don't. So you, and, and if you just try to run the clock out and try not to lose, especially against a team that was throwing the ball as well as the Cowboys were yesterday, mm-hmm. you are begging to lose the game is what you're doing. Uh, you have to you have to play a game of football. If you have a two-score lead, you know, try to run in first and second down and, and run a minute off the clock. You know, let's see if you can do it. But 
you had to score again, as far as I was concerned, and and they got it done. I was extremely happy with that decision. I'm not talking about flinging it all over the field, you know, at will. Take care of the football. Mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't agree more, Coach. I, that was a point that I wanted to bring up today. They were playing to win the ball game yesterday. Beautiful. Big deal. Before we take a break, when we come back from the break, by the way, we're going to go NFL round them up, wrap them up real quick, and then we will definitely get to college football. Folks, if you're a college football fan out there, we'll recap some of those games, including a classic, uh, another classic between Michigan State and Notre Dame, and we'll review the Beat the Schmoes football scores as well. Again, our phone number here, 888-463-6748. Let me test you, though, and see the big dog's knowledge here. What play? Fairly late in the game was the key play of the game. Didn't involve a touchdown. It was a little more subtle, but I thought it was I thought it was the turning point of the game. Did you catch it? It was uh, Johnny Knox knocking out Michael Jenkins, uh, so Devin Hester could pop the play and go forty yards into the red zone in order for the Bears to mm-hmm. uh, score their last touchdown. Okay. The wide receivers did block extremely well. It's not what I had in mind. But the wide receiver, and if you remember early in the game on Olsen's touchdown, Earl Bennett, not only, it wasn't like a vicious block, but what he did is he squared his shoulders and kept his block, and he allowed Olsen to score the touchdown. I haven't seen that yet. I'm about to watch it. I only watched the second half, mind you. All right. Well, make sure you watch the Earl Bennett blocking highlights, which uh, I I believe those career highlights would take about 18 seconds to show. But that was one. No, there was a play. uh, I think might have been a tie game at the point. Dallas might have even been leading. It was tight. Six, so seven minutes first, left. It was in the first half then. No, no, no. Six, seven minutes left. Eight Bears minutes left. Bears led the left. whole second half. Bears led the whole second half. Fine. Six, seven, eight minutes left in the ballgame. Romo drops back on a third down, and they sent him back out to the right. And the defensive end, the linebacker, outside linebacker for the Bears, they even replayed this, and Troy Aikman showed it, had gapped in on the uh, the play-action fake. So basically that running back was out there pretty wide open. There was one defensive back. He would have gotten a first down for sure, kept the Dallas drive alive, probably would have scored. I don't know if you remember that play. And Aikman misfired on the throw. I thought if Dallas completes that, that would have totally changed the game. The missed throw by Aikman I thought was the biggest play of the game on that particular play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I mean, you got to blame Troy Aikman, especially considering Tony Romo was was at quarterback. I'm today. sorry, Tony Romo. Yeah, Troy it was. Uh, it was do you, wheel, do you remember that play? Route. They ran the wheel route. Yes. The shard choice. Who had a step on Lance Briggs, and uh, Romo hit him in the foot. Yep. And if the short the shard choice catches it, I, I didn't agree with Aikman's uh, uh, what do you call it analysis of it. I thought Briggs would have made the tackle, but he definitely would have got the first down. Yep. There is no question that if that ball is up and Choice catches it, it, the Briggs had the angle and would have dragged him down past the first down marker. And then, you know, the game continues at that point. And uh, right when the star Choice starts screaming at Tony Romo, I'm like, game over. Game (laughs) over. Thank you very much. You know what? People make mistakes. You you go up to Tony and be like, man, I had him beat. You got to leave me. You don't start screaming at your quarterback, Mm -hmm. okay? You don't scream at any of your teammates unless you are the quarterback. And you only do that once or twice a season. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't get off on players screaming at other at everybody on the sideline. Okay, that's the sharp choice. Uh, did anybody scream at you last week when uh, you fumbled the ball to D'Angelo Hall on the last play of the first half? That was the Redskins' only touchdown in a six-point loss. Huh? The sharp choice, you bum. <laughs> I, I, I can't stand. I can't stand these sons of bitches when they start screaming at each other on the sidelines. They immediately lose me. I'm like, I'm done with you. I'm, I start. You start naming the best football players of all time. None of them scream at your teammates on the sideline. None of them, ever. 
All right. Point well taken. The big dog coming out firing here on a beautiful Monday. We're going to take a quick break. We cover the Bears in the uh, Dallas Cowboy game. Big victory for the Chicago Bear. We come back. We'll do a little NFL roundup, wrap up, cover some of the other highlights from uh, yesterday's game. Again, our phone lines are open if you want to check in. 888-463-6748. We'll get to some college football as well. It's the TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic. Big dog and the coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock. Randy Myers producing the day. Back in a minute. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joel red wanski joining us here on the uh, two guys at a mic show big dog course regular co-host he does it via the telephonic communications out from beautiful aurora illinois but we appreciate your joining us big dog are you ready for a uh, little nfl round them up and wrap them up what's that we lost him we lost the big dog. Oh, no. Come back. Calling, testing, one, two, three. All right, we're going to get the big dog, hopefully, back on the phone line. We got we got you there, Joe? Yeah. So this, uh, uh, never mind, Coach. I'm sorry. That's I got another phone call, and I accidentally hung up on you. Ah, so we cannot blame uh, Phil and producer Randy Myers Randy for that. Myers is doing an excellent job because that's the second time this has happened. It's happened to me three times since I've been doing this show. Two of them okay. have been today with Randy Myers. Because right, I was ready. I was ready to fire a producer right on the spot. Nah, he's doing so, his job, Coach. You, you give me the word, Big Dog, and uh, we will have, you know, Chris Whitting, the general manager, might be in doing the show. I might fire him, too. I might go down the hall to the real estate agency and bring the secretary, and she's better looking anyway. When are they going to get uh, a massage place in that building? Because I'll start coming in more often. I think it's when they build a third floor. Right now there's only two floors, but there are plans to put a third floor in, which would be a sauna in the middle, surrounded by eight different massage uh, parlors on the outside. I got you. That's something good. <laughs> and they'll cut your toenails while you're at it, too. Uh, no, I'll leave that alone, Coach. Okay. Thank you very much. 888-463-6748. Phone lines are open. Folks, dial it up. You can email us, too. Mike2GuysAOL.com. M-I-C and the number two. Mike2GuysAOL.com. Randy, if you got any music and you want to put some music to this, uh, feel free to do so. But we now do our NFL round them up and wrap them up, big dog. Are you strapped in and you're ready to go? Yes, I'm, I'm hardest in, Coach. All right. Remember, uh, take it easy. Remember, your seat cushion can be used as a flotation device. Thank you very much. All right. Green Bay, Buffalo, the Packers all over the Bills. Not much to say. 34-7. to Aaron Rodgers, workmanlike, very good again. And Clay Matthews, three more sacks from his linebacker spot. Six in the first two games. He's playing like an all-pro right now, Big Dog. Yeah, he's definitely playing like an all-pro, Coach. And the thing is, the Packers play the Bears next week. I guess the team that can finally run the ball will be the one who wins the game because the Packers aren't running it well either, folks. Well, part of the reason is Ryan Grant, their star runner, is out. But they got to find someone to fill in, no question. Game two.
Miami Dolphins take it on the Minnesota Vikings. Miami was getting points in this one from Vegas. They didn't need the points. They beat the Vikings straight up 14-10. to Minnesota 0-2 in the year. Big dog Brett Favre, three more interceptions. You and me and a few others here predicted this could be a long season for the Vikings. Thus far, it's been two games, but it's been very long. Yeah, you know what? I uh, predicted that the Lions would have a better record than the Vikings. Yep. Still both 0-2, but I'm going to stick with it. I, I was hoping the Lions could come back and get a victory. I'm sure we'll talk about that later, but I'm loving this, Coach. Loving it. Game three on the docket. Speaking of the Detroit Lions, let's talk the Lions. Them in Philadelphia, believe it or not, one of the more entertaining games of the day. The Eagles and the Lions. Eagles were down early, then they took a couple touchdown lead. The Lions in a furious rally late. Big Dog led by a potential Rookie of the Year candidate and a star running back, Javis Best. He scores two touchdowns. Then they make an onside kick successfully and have a chance to win the game. But at that point, the Eagles defense shuts down Sean Hill. But pretty entertaining game. Another tough loss for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, Javid Best actually added a third touchdown later in the game. And uh, uh, when the, the late in the game, when Calvin Johnson scored a, a touchdown to make it 35-30, they, they would get the two-point conversion. Did you see him run over and hand the ball to the official with a smile? Uh, who, Calvin or Javid? Yeah, he's like, is this controlled enough? I just he yeah. ran over and handed the ball to yeah. the official. Is this controlled Good. enough? Good. <laughs> don't blame good. Don't blame him for doing that. I still that that loss. Still pains me on that one. Don't bring it. Don't bring up that play. Why, why, why is it a pain? Uh, whatever. Yes. Whatever. <laughs> Houston, the Texans, they go two and zero on the season. Big dog. They beat Washington thirty to twenty seven. How about the quarterback? And how about the aerial attack? Matt Schaub, thirty eight completions for a 492-yard Donovan McNabb now slinging it and flinging it for the Redskins. He completes 28 passes for 436 yards, an aerial attack, big dog. But the Texans win it. Yeah, the 497 yards from Matt Schaub. I mean, if, I mean, I know it was overtime, but he only added about like 60 in overtime. Arian Foster doesn't have a great day against the, the Redskins defense, but they figured out by throwing around. Texans, two receivers with 10 receptions and at least 130 yards. Our, uh, Trey Walsh has also had a huge game. So. Our female intern here, Tammy Hands. We brought Tammy over from our radio show. Tammy Hands helping us out today. She is informing me, Big Dog, that that's only the fifth time in NFL history that two quarterbacks in the same game have thrown over 400 yards. Can you confirm and or deny Tammy Hands' information? I, I cannot confirm nor deny that, Coach. Now we're going to assume it's true. Oh, goodness. New York Jets come back after a tough week one loss. They knock off the New England Patriots 28-14. to They call that the bounce-back game, Big Dog. A lot of people were writing off the Jets saying they're a hard-knocks uh, you know, phenomenon, but uh, played awfully well yesterday, beat the Patriots 2-8 to 1-4. It was the bounce-back half because it was 14-7 at halftime, and it wasn't looking good for the Jets. They weren't exactly converting, taking advantage of stuff, and all of a sudden the second half... They played phenomenally well, including uh, Mark Sanchez, who had yep. a really good second half. And uh, they, they played well without uh, Darrell Rivas. And Randy Moss made one of the top five catches of his career. And that's saying a lot, considering he's the second best receiver who ever lived. I have not seen that. What a highlight film catch from. And you said that was the only catch of the day for Randy Moss. Well, he had two catches. Okay. Uh, he had two catches for 38 yards, and that was a 36 yard catch, coach, for a touch. <laughs> you do the math. 
Okay. But I really didn't, I didn't really want to like give him credit for the other one. Fair enough. The much maligned Mark Sanchez, by the way, scoring three touchdowns. So he played extremely well, particularly in the second half. Also playing extremely well was the Pittsburgh Steeler defense, big dog. They knock off Tennessee, a pop hitter pick after week one. 19 and 11, the Steelers without Roethlisberger, 2 and 0. Chris Johnson, the superstar running back for the Titan, 16 carries, 32 yards. The black and gold defense, outstanding. Yeah, if there's uh, if there's a term for winning ugly in football and wanting to see a game, that was it. They forced seven turnovers. The Steelers' offense did nothing. They got an 89-yard uh, kickoff return for a touchdown, but Charlie Bad basically did nothing and got a W as a, as a quarterback yesterday for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So. Charlie Batch still hanging around the NFL. It's impressive. Yeah, and I got to tell you, anybody could have played quarterback yesterday. As long as they didn't turn it over, they would have won for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was an ugly football game. It's all about ball security, Big Dog. It's all about yes, ball security. Uh, Cincinnati taking on Baltimore. The Ravens looked pretty good in game one, not so good in game two. The Bengals turned it around as well, 15 to 10. Big win for Cincinnati. Joe Flacco intercepted four times. Not very good for him. And Mike Nugent. They didn't get any touchdowns. They got five field goals from the right foot of one Michael MacArthur Nugent. Yeah, Ray Rice also got injured for the Ravens and that could end up being Uh-oh. huge for them because he's uh, the engine that drives that team. Yep. And uh, Ray Lewis extremely upset after the game because uh, two controversial uh, roughing the quarterback calls uh, against uh, the Ravens basically gave uh, the Bengals uh, two field goal attempts, which ended mm-hmm. up which Nugent converted, coach. Big, big, big time. I did not see the replay of those two. Would you be in the Ray Lewis corner? Were they? Uh, was it overprotective on the yeah, part of the official? Absolutely. A, a guy finished a tackle on him, and they said he slammed him to the ground, and, and it wasn't. And the other one was. Uh, it wasn't uh, a rough in the quarterback, so I'm kind of glad you brought this up. It was Ray Lewis got blocked down, fell down, and as he was rolling, tripped Carson Palmer. But it, you could tell Carson Palmer basically just fell over Ray Lewis's legs, and they called him for leg whipping. Mm-hmm. And they would not have converted a field goal either time because those 15 yards were gigantic to convert, like to continue the drive. Interesting. couple of bad calls keeping the Bengal uh, victory alive. No question about it. San Diego knocks off Jacksonville. Bounce back game for the Chargers. Jacksonville, my surprise pick in the NFL this year, Big Dog, looked awfully good after week one. They laid a complete egg, a la David Garrard getting intercepted four times. So, so much for my surprise team. Yeah, I got that. They're gonna, you know, they're not as bad as your typical last place team will be in the NFL. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they'll be better than what they were last week. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's a tough division for the Jacksonville Jaguars to be in. And, and the Chargers, you know, they played very poorly against the Chiefs. Well, they played a lot better yesterday. NFL round them up and wrap them up. We do it each and every Monday here on the Two Guys at a Mike Show. Talk very quickly about a couple of Cinderella's out there, and it's only two games into it, uh, so it's early to be fitting the shoe. But the Kansas City Chief and the Tampa Bay Buccaneer both win yesterday. They're both two and zero, and a lot of people couldn't name three players on either team. Big Doug. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can name probably about twenty five from each team, but you know that I'm not, I'm not typical. I stay home a lot. No. But. The Chiefs have drafted very, very well. They're loaded with a lot of very good young players. Uh, Tampa Bay has got that Josh Freeman at quarterback coach, and he, and he looks pretty good. He continues to hit the rookie Mike Williams for touchdowns. One thing that both of these teams have in common, though, is they both both beat the Browns. So we mm-hmm. really don't know how solid that 2-0 is at this point. <laughs> 
doesn't doesn't count like a full NFL victory, huh? Yeah, exactly. All right. And the Carolina Panthers, by the way, in defeat. Can we officially uh, welcome in the Jimmy Clausen era at Carolina? Yeah, uh, you, you know, you might be. As long as you know, you're the GM there. You might want to say, "Hey, let's just go to the kid," because if you can protect them at all, you might as well get the kid some experience. Because I'm starting yeah. to feel that uh, Matt Moore is definitely a backup quarterback in the UFL. Okay. <laughs> Way to put that as a sidelight. I'm sure all the Matt Moore relatives listening to the program are thrilled with that analysis. And finally, Big Dog, uh, the late-night game, the Sunday-night game, Battle of the Brothers, Peyton, the older brother, clearly getting the best of Eli, Indianapolis, another bounce-back game. They, people are starting to write them off. Maybe they lost their magic. They look good on offense. Their defense was alive and well also as they crush the New York Giants. Statement game for the Colt, was it not? You know, uh, people always want to write somebody off after one game. Let me remind people that key in the NFL is this. Whenever you see a team play horrible, and especially in one phase of the game, they're NFL players. They correct it. Giants could barely run the football last night. And that ended up leading to the fact that, actually, you know, it's 24 nothing, And then they couldn't run it anymore. And the Colts just started teeing off on Manning. It was an absolute whitewashing. It was a blowout, Coach. All right. Good, good week two of NFL football. And Big deal. One thing that seems to stand out. We said it before the season, but I think the first two games confirms it. Parity. Now, some people liken parity to mediocrity. I'm not going to go that far. I think there's a lot of good teams out there, but this is as balanced as I can. I'm going to say ever. Remember the NFL. There's very few really weak teams, and there really isn't a great team out there, is there? Yeah, no, no, no. There is not a great team out there this year. Uh, maybe the Saints possibly are. If they can continue to play defense like they did last year and like they did the first week against the Vikings, but right now that doesn't, doesn't really seem that impressive. Maybe they can be great coach. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you, if you think about it, like who's coming out of the NFC? You would say, well, I guess the Saints are the favorite now. And then you look at the Packers, they can't run the ball. Like the Cowboys can't block anybody. You know, all of a sudden the Redskins, everybody, nobody even thought they had a chance, and maybe they're a lot better than we thought. The Bears are better than we thought, but, I mean, how much does that mean? And then you go to the AFC. Who's going to come out of the AFC, Coach? Is it the Jets? Is it the Patriots? Is it the Dolphins? Is it the Chargers? Is it the Texans? Is it the Colts? Is it the Broncos? I mean, all of these teams have a legitimate shot. The Chiefs are 2-0. No, we didn't even mention them. Or the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy, crazy year, Coach. Anybody, if you if you predict the Super Bowl right this year, you pull the horseshoe out of your butt. And hopefully, you put down hundred bucks on it. <laughs> Very graphically put. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The NFL season, NFL week two, I should say, in a, a little roundup situation. We'll do that each and every Monday here on the program. Want to talk some college football? Before we do that, though, Big Dog, very quickly, we play a game each Friday called Beat the Schmoes. This is week three. Of the beat the schmo season, Randy Myers, your uh, regular guy, David Olson, our producer, who has stepped in as a schmo, his second consecutive two in one week. So David Olson doing outstanding. I bounce back, big dog, from a one and two to a two and one. So overall, I'm uh, six and three on the year. Now you picked a couple of games I was not sure of. Do you know what your final record was on beat the schmo? Well, I, I I lost. By like half a point. I think what was the what was the Penn State Akron game? Because I oh Kent State game. Was we had twenty three or twenty four. Twenty four. Okay, so I pushed on that one. Push. And I lost the other two by a total of like half a point. So I was uh, two and one. You were what? 
I'm 0-2-1, so I'm 4-4 four four on the year. 0-2-1. Oh, so another, after a good first week, the big dog is struggling. Just a bump in I the knew, road. I knew it was going to happen. I wanted to go 0-3 that first yeah. week. That always helped. Texas Tech, uh, what, you got seven points with them. That looked good for a bit, but Texas pulled away. What, won by two touchdowns? They won by 10 points. So 10 points. 24-14, and I, so I lost two by two and a half there. Mm-hmm. And I, I had Georgia plus two and a half. They lost on the last play of the game. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I lost there. It was a rough weekend, rough weekend. Now, we had Celebrity Schmo Chet Kopic check in, too. He picked the Lions plus the points against Philly. That's a win. Yes. He picked Notre Dame plus two against Michigan State. So that turned out to be a, a loss by one point, right? Yes. Well, no, they scored a touchdown, so by a couple of points. And he, uh, do you know what the Bears, Dallas, no, over? They lost by three. They lost by three. Okay, that's right, because there was no extra point. Do you know what the uh, Bears-Dallas over and under was? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it was definitely lower than 47. So he would have lost that. So he would have lost that. All right, so Chester didn't beat. So once again, for the third consecutive week, the Schmoes go unbeaten. Very, very impressive. We play that game each and every Friday. Tune in, and you too can make an attempt at beating the Schmoes. College football, Big Dog, we mentioned a pretty good week. Three of college football, some great games. There was one really great game, and it's the second week in a row that I watched Notre Dame football. Last week it was Michigan. This week Michigan State and Big Dog from a drama standpoint, from my stomach being tied up in knots. And I wasn't even rooting for a particular team. Just as a fan watching a game and the emotional twists and turns, last week and two days ago game against Michigan State, as good a regular season college football as I can remember. Great, great games. Yeah, the game was so good, it gave Michigan State coach Mark D'Antoni a heart attack. Literally. Unbelievable. Literally, a couple hours after the press. He's okay, but he did have a minor heart attack. You know, I'm not trying to be funny here. I'm surprised that doesn't happen more. Because if you think about it, these these coaches technically usually don't live the healthiest lifestyle. You know, these guys wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, rush to the the place, what do you call it, to the complex. Start watching stuff. Half of them don't even eat breakfast, so that's immediately going to it's unhealthy. You know, they they eat twice a day. They you know they slam as much food down. They work all day long. That's horrible for your heart. And next thing you're in a sport where basically once a week you go through so many tribulations, and you know your job is on the line. The, the amount of stress is ridiculous. I'm surprised there aren't more heart attacks mm-hmm. by these coaches. It's a good point. I don't know. I think in the last five or ten years. Not all the co- more of the coaches are living a healthier lifestyle. You see more, co- you even see a guy like Rex Ryan on hard knocks working out. So I think the coaches do take care of themselves a little bit more. But your point about the stress is no question about it. Well, well taken. But uh, you know, you say a minor heart attack, the old expression, when it happens to you, it's not minor. But but he appears like he will recover and be okay. But a scary moment for the Michigan State coach. Talk about that game though. In his, they had to put a stint in, coach. That's not minor. Okay. I mean, when you put a stint in a valve, that is, that's some dramatic stuff. So, yeah, I, w- I, I would not call that minor. Okay. All right, we'll see how many weeks he is uh, out. And it happened, again, only a couple hours after the press conference, maybe three, four hours after the game. So it was fairly immediate. I think the game ended, what, about 10 o'clock? And it happened maybe at 1230 at night. So 
pretty quick right after the game. But let's talk about the game real quick. An amazing battle between Notre Dame and Michigan State. Of course, that's a storied tradition. They've had a ton of good games. This one will go down as one of the best ever. And the play at the end, Big Dog, for the fans that didn't see it, describe the gamble that Mark D'Antonio and the Michigan State Spartans took. Well, they, they could have kicked a field goal and actually tied it up. Uh, but they, they went with a, a fake field goal. And I, I, it was a really well-designed fake field goal because some of the times, like if you fake a field goal, sometimes I just shake my head and be like, why didn't they just leave their offense out there? You know, but this was a really well-designed fake field goal. They had, you know, the holder got the ball, the punter flew out like he was going to get the lateral, and everybody went with the punter. And the tight end did a real good job of blocking for the split second, let people run, and then he headed out downfield, sprinted downfield, and he did the little flag route. Mm-hmm. And, and the holder hit him perfectly. Really nice, easy, catchable ball. Uh, you know, he ends up coasting into the the end zone for a touchdown and uh, gives uh, Michigan yeah. State the win in overtime. And this again, this game, you know, just to describe that last play does not do this game justice. They had the great atmosphere of Michigan State with the Notre Dame fans, you know, filling part of the stadium as well, and it went back and forth. Michigan State on the ground, Notre Dame through the air. Dane Christ was good again. Uh, just a very, you know, regulation alone made it a tremendous. You didn't even need overtime. It was a great game with just the regulation as it was. All kinds of twists and dramas. The game went on, but it went to overtime. And Notre Dame went first, and they got stopped on a fourth and one as much as Brian Kelly wanted to go for it. They kicked the field goal. Michigan State gets the ball. And they've got about a third and four. Touchdown wins the game, and the quarterback gets sacked. So what was a makeable field goal now becomes a 46-yard field goal. And you know what's so impressive to me, Big Dog, when they when I rewound it back, I was watching on tape. All right, the coach makes the call to go for a fake field goal. At that time, an unbelievable gamble because 46 yard makeable field goal, and they got a pretty good kicker. And I watched the reaction of the players because it, it was not a, during a timeout. They made the decision on the spot. There was no timeout call. And I watched the players, the uh, holder. The kicker, and even Mark D'Antonio, the coach himself, and it was amazing how calm they were about it. Nobody even like the eyes weren't raised, or you know, are you sure, coach, or something like that. They they play acted it perfectly. You described the play where, especially young college kids in a pressure situation like that on a fake, they will tend to rush it and show yeah. their cards a little bit. But boy, they remained calm and just sell, sold the fake. I thought it was so impressive they were able to do that from the sidelines to the actual execution. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. I, the, uh, that is part of it. Yeah, you call, and if you're going to call a play like that, you have to have confidence that you've coached these kids up. Yes. And, and they're going to actually run it the way that you've designed it. And, and the key is not to have people release too much. If they release, those DBs, they're reading, they're reading your keys. You know what I mean? And they're not going to rush. You know, it, it was just done perfectly, Coach. I, I like the fact that you actually rewound it and looked in the eyes of the young men. Yeah. And the field goal kicker lining up for the kick, you know, he he looked exactly like the nervous, totally intense kicker. Mm-hmm. And I, I even thought he was going to miss it because he looked so stone-faced. He looked like he was feeling the pressure and all along. Or maybe they didn't tell him it was going to be a fake. You, you think that happens? No, they absolutely did, Coach, because he went off to the lateral. He didn't That's true. You're the right. ball. He went to yep. the lateral. Yep. So, yeah, he knew. Okay. He absolutely knew. Okay. That was part of the, that was, that's like a guy who grunts when he throws the changeup as a pitcher. <laughs> You know, that, that's all part of it. You know, uh-huh. he had to do the whole look nervous, take the deep breath and yeah. shrug his shoulders, you know, check the wind. You know, he did it all, Coach. He, yeah, he did was, all that stuff. I could tell you as a spectator, there was no thought in my mind 
of watch the fake or are they going to fake. It was totally 100% entrenched on is this guy going to make the field goal or not. And I'm sure the Notre Dame defense felt the same way. I agree with you because I only got to watch half uh, overtime, and immediately I was like, Brian Kelly will regret not going for uh, the first down and fourth and one. I'm like, it's overtime. If you can't get a yard, you don't deserve to win the ball game anyway. The next thing I know, that they're all lining up, and people are like, oh, so you, do you think he should have went for it now? <laughs> well, all right, I guess you're right. The next thing I know, I'm like, I told you he should have went for it the fourth and one. <laughs> so, oh, goodness. Well, go. well, well, that was the mark. Honestly, Coach, uh, Brian Kelly, fourth and one in overtime, you, you got to go for it. In the, in the situation of where he was at, the having the ball first, you can't let a team have the option. Because that team now, it was just a bad move. It really was. I said it at the time. I'm going to say it now. Fourth and one, you go for it in overtime. you got to go for it. Tough overtime. call. I, I can see your point. I think it's a tough call. I, I almost go 50-50 on that one because obviously the reverse thinking is if you don't make it on fourth and one, they were struggling running the ball a little bit. If you don't make it now, you've let the other team off the hook. they got an easy field goal to win the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I will admit that. If you don't score, yeah. you know, basically the, the Michigan State, all they have to do is just set up for the field goal at that particular time. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Other games, other games in the college football docket, Michigan uh, barely. Getting by UMass, you're fighting a line. I beat Northern Illinois 28-22. Iowa gets knocked off by Arizona, big dog. The Arizona Wildcats now a factor in college football. Um, and Alabama, of course, the number one ranked team, uh, running it up on Duke 62-13. to so Yeah, Alabama gets Mark Ingram back, uh, the Heisman Trophy winner. First time he touches the ball, 48-yard touchdown run. Yep. In the In the... His first three carries, coach, he broke a hundred yards. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, that's, I think he's healthy. Welcome, way to put it. welcome back, Mark Ingram. Yeah, welcome back. How about uh, uh, Illinois' game against Northern Illinois? You and me kind of disagreed on the quarterback for the Fighting Illini. I think after week number two, I don't want to brag or anything, but I think I've proven to be correct. And right now, are you crazy? No, I'm not crazy. Well, you're out of your mind. They finally have a quarterback. How could you say that? The guy the can't. Football. How can you have a quarterback who can't pass the ball? Again, I watched the whole game, like I did the Missouri game I, and the Southern Illinois game. I did too. In the Missouri game and in the Northern Illinois game, many, way too many drops. And all I know is this: the kid takes care of the football, and he makes plays with his feet. Which he will. He will become a much better passer. And the, the simple thing is this: Illinois won a game. And they, he's got no help around him offensively besides Mikel is short. Okay, and their the receivers are garbage. I don't know how why Terry Hawthorne is not playing wide receiver for Illinois. He's, he's injured, big dog. Okay, uh, it's uh, all I know is this: the kid is a freshman. A freshman. He's the best quarterback Illinois has had since Jason Verduzco. I don't know how you can say that. Which, which of his seventy yards passing did you like the most? Did you do? You, how many times do they even throw the ball? I, I, because always, the kid makes plays over and over, and it's not just your statistics, coach. When you play quarterback, I mean, the, the week before he was the Big Ten Player of the Freshman of the Week. Mm-hmm. You know, you, did, you didn't happen to, you didn't mention anything last week. You know, when he was Big Ten Player of the Week. I've watched both Illinois games from start to finish, but the two games that Nathan Shieldhouse has played, and. Um, and you didn't happen to watch when he was the Big Ten Player of the Week, though. Well, maybe not, but I've, I've okay, watched that, enough. That's another thing. So that's. Uh, I've watched all three games. 
remember the kid's a freshman. Remind, I'm going to have to keep on reminding you of that. Yeah. Kid's going to end up being the best quarterback that possibly Illinois well, has ever had. Maybe, but the bottom line is right now he cannot drop back in the pocket and complete a pass. And, you know, if you want a quarterback that can run, I like quarterbacks that can run. I appreciate that, but you have to be able to throw the football, and the young kid cannot do that right now, so I don't know how you can call him a good quarterback. I, I just, I'm going to have to just get the kid can't throw the ball. I'm not going to say that he's, back, he's not Tony Eason. I'm not about to say that, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I consistently I watched his games drop after drop after drop. This, this, this phase on kid, he transferred from Florida. I think they expelled him and kicked him off the team. <laughs> they, they dropped way too many balls. They need to help the, the freshman out, to be honest with you. But all I know is this is, he doesn't throw interceptions, and he tends to make plays on third down consistently. So I agree he has to improve on that, but yeah. I, I'm pretty happy I ho- that I ho- they finally have a leader at quarterback. I hope I'm proven uh, incorrect because I am a fighting Illini fan, but I'm not sold on this guy again passing the ball. But bottom of line is the Illini did beat a pretty good Northern Illinois team. All right, Big Dome, we got to wrap it up. It was uh, overall pretty good uh, week number two of the NFL, week three of college football. Don't forget, next week we got Monday night football, Bears and the Packers. I'm tasting that baby already. Awfully, awfully good, Coach. Awfully good. You got a prediction tonight's game? Should be a pretty good game. Mike Singletary and the bounce-back 49ers against the New Orleans Saints who are trying to achieve greatness in the NFL. What do you think is going to happen? It it is in uh, San Francisco, is it not, Coach? Possibly. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with San Francisco getting a win. Ooh, okay. Parody strikes the NFL once again. Samurai bounces strike, back. Coach. All right, Big Dog. Have a, we'll do it again tomorrow, Big Dog. Thank you so much for joining us, Randy Myers. Great job filling in as well. We appreciate everybody out there listening. Uh, Ten o'clock tomorrow, we'll do it all over again. Residue Tuesday. That's what we do each and every Tuesday. Want to thank our guests on today's show. We didn't have any guests, but we'll thank him anyways. See you tomorrow at 10. Have a great day, everybody. TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic and a sign-off.